Good morning, your mercy. So this is totally unscripted. I actually talked to Pastor Kitty and DK and uh, got their approval to share. But, you know, this morning um, I spent some time with, with the Lord and just, um, yeah, it was an amazing time. And it continued during worship. I felt God's presence so strong and I was getting these thoughts and downloads. And, uh, and I felt like God wanted me to share this because it's so important. And I actually asked God, do you want me to share this? And I got immediate yes. Uh, I got so overwhelmed, I had to step out just to get away from it. And when it came back in, it happened again, I had to step out. But I just want to encourage you guys. Like, I love this community. I'm committed to this, to this community. Um, so that's why I want to share this. Um, I got the word, set the captives free. God set you guys free. Like, he opened the jail cell. Like, don't go back in there feeling like you have to be in there. Um, also, I got, I can't believe I'm sharing this, but from a movie line, Troy, do you guys remember when Achilles was giving a, 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 like a speech to his guys, and he was like, immortality, take it, it's yours, right? I got that, and I was like, well, what is that? Oh, yes, the identity God's given you as his sons and daughters, take it, it's yours. You don't have to be shy you don't have to think about oh i'm not good enough i'm not good enough i'm not sharing this because i'm good enough i'm not sharing this because you know i live a certain type of christian life if you ask my friends who know me well like i struggle with a lot of things and i still do but i've learned to accept the fact that i'm a sinner and therefore i can look at the cross i can look at the father and humbly and and confidently go to him so i just want to share that with you guys as i was back there looking at like you know, all your heads and your bodies as you're worshiping. I just, I just could see God the Father just loving on you guys. And I was kind of a little sad because I, I want you guys to know how much you guys are loved. Okay? Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to share that. Also, before, this is a little bit scripted. I, I prepared this. But before we read God's word together, I wanted to share a verse I came across. Second uh, Timothy 3.16 says, um, all of Scripture is breathed out by God. Um, so I want to take this moment together to posture our minds and our hearts to imagine and believe that God is breathing His words out to us just like He breathed life into us. Can we do that? Cool. So today's passage comes from John uh, 3, verses 1 through 10. This is where Jesus and the Pharisee Nicodemus, one of the famous conversations, these are the words that are breathed out by our God. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. 
You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Amen. Thank you, Peter, uh, especially for sharing that uh, word that you received from God this morning. You know, one of the things that we, uh, we're trying to change the culture here at our church a little bit, uh, we want to encourage actually the sharing of stories, uh, not just kind of great things that are happening in your life, but also broken things, because we believe that uh, God is walking with you no matter kind of how you're doing. And so, so more and more, uh, hopefully you'll be able to see this in our church, we're going to be sharing uh, these stories. And I hope you find encouragement because as you hear these stories, you're going to be like, hey, you know, I can, I can relate to that or I'm encouraged by how God is moving uh, in their life. Uh, but really, we want to, it's in the stories, right? It's in the people's stories that we see God moving. And uh, I hope you're encouraged by what, what Peter said. I was very encouraged. You know, one thing I'm always reminding myself of is, hey, I am a child of God. Something that we forget, right? We forget the inheritance that we have and the power that we have and the promises that we have. Uh, so thank you for that reminder, Peter. I was very encouraged by that. Okay, my name is Key. Um, I'm uh, one of the pastors here at this church. I'm just gonna uh, be delivering uh, God's word for you guys uh, today. Uh, today we're actually on the third part of a uh, four-part series that we're calling Listening for God. If you guys can throw that, that banner up there, okay. Uh, as I've said in the, the other sermons, uh, the reason why we're doing this series is because hearing God is actually a fundamental aspect of how the human life was designed to be lived, okay? Unfortunately, uh, there's a lot of stuff that, uh, that's said about this topic that can lead to confusion. So uh, we're going through the series partly because we want to clear up some of that confusion, uh, but the main reason is because we want to help you to understand what it actually means to hear God. You hear that all the time, oh, I heard God say this. We want you to understand what it actually means to hear God, and we want to show you how to go about doing that in a healthy and biblical way. I covered a lot of ground the last two sermons. Uh, you can listen to them on our podcast to get up to speed. I cannot cover that ground in today's sermon, so if you, if you missed any of that, I, I really encourage you guys to listen to it to really kind of understand this topic well. Today, uh, what we're going to do is we're just going to finish up uh, we're just going to finish laying the f biblical foundation uh, for hearing God, okay, which is what we've been doing for the past couple of weeks. And then next week, in the last sermon, we're going to spend the whole sermon learning some practical ways that we can uh, go about actually listening for God. So if you've been waiting, you're like, where's the practical stuff? Okay, next week, next week it will come. So, you know, I don't know how I remember this, but uh, back in ninth grade, I was taking biology, ninth grade biology, and I remember in the first test, uh, one of the questions uh, that was asked was this, what does it mean to be biologically alive, right? What, what are the minimum, the minimum characteristics an organism needs to be considered uh, to be bio biologically alive? So viruses, you know, are viruses biologically alive? Are bacteria, are worms, kind of what are the minimum characteristics? And pretty tough question, actually, if you really think about it. Uh, but, you know, that, that was a question that, that I got. And, uh, you know, interesting, it's thinking, it's interesting thinking about biological life, but here's the thing, once you get past the basics of what makes something biologically alive, what you begin to see is that there's actually different levels of living, right? Once you get past the basics and you look at all the diversity of life in the world, you see that there are actually different levels of living. And I like how uh, Dallas Willard uh, defines what life is. And Dallas Willard, by the way, uh, this entire sermon series, Listening for God, is actually based on his book, Hearing God. Uh, it's essentially these sermons are just summaries of his chapters. If you really want a deeper treatment, if you want to dive deeper into hearing God, that's, that's the book you want to read. Uh, but, you know, I realize not everybody has time to read. It's a pretty dense book, and so these sermons are kind of the cliff notes 
uh, of that book. Anyway, this is what he says for the definition of life. He, if, yeah, he says this. In all its various levels and types, life is power to act and respond in specific kinds of relations. Okay, life is power to act and respond in specific kinds of relations. So, for example, if you're like, what the heck does that mean? Uh, when I was in junior high, uh, I used to live in this small apartment with my family. Uh, and we used to have this porch, and right outside the porch, there's a real small plot of land, like two feet by four feet. Uh, and what I would do every year in junior high, I remember this very clearly, is I would grow a garden, right? I would grow vegetables. <laughs> It's a weird thing to do as a kid, but, uh, you know, tomato plants, right? You know, cucumbers and, and things like that. Now, those plants that I planted in the garden, they were alive, right? Because they're plants. Uh, and they had certain abilities, as plants, right? They can, they could, they could uh, respond and act within their environment as plants. You know, they can respond to the moisture in the air. They can respond to the light and to the soil and so on. But here's the thing: if I tried to play fetch, right? If I took a ball and said to my tomato plant, "Look," and I threw the ball. If I tried to play fetch with my plants, those plants, would they be able to respond? No. Okay. They would not. So in that sense, while plants are in fact alive to the air and to the soil and to the light, they are, quote unquote, dead to the realm of play, which is how Dallas Willard puts it. Okay? They cannot interact at that level of life. So in order to play fetch, therefore, what do I need? What do I need in order to play fetch with, with an organism? Okay? I need my cat schooner. Yeah, this is a cat that I had in junior high. Or, or I need uh, my sister's dog, Jinju. Right? I, need, I need an animal like that. Right? These are living things that are alive right, to the realm of play. But if I want to play Super Smash Brothers, right, or if I want to enjoy a discussion about science or, or theology, would my dog Jinju or my cat Schooner be able to respond in that realm? No. Why? because they are, quote-unquote, dead to that level of living. Okay. Now, what's my point? So one of the things that we learn in Genesis is that humanity once lived at a level where they were able to have an unhindered conversational relationship with God. Okay? Uh, and so in that sense, humans were alive to a realm where they could have a personal and communicative relationship with God, we'll, and we'll call this the realm of the spirit. Unfortunately, right, this level of life was disrupted when humanity disobeyed God, right? You guys know the story. You know, they decided that they knew better than God, and they chose to live life as they thought it should be lived, rather than follow God's design for how it should be lived. Now, God told them that if they sinned like this, what did he say would happen? He said that they would die, Okay, and this makes sense, right? Because ultimately, they were choosing to live apart from the source of true life. And if you cut yourself off from the source of true life, what's going to happen? You're going to die. Now, when you read the Genesis account, right, what you'll notice is that they actually continue to live biologically, right? But they do die in a very significant and important way. And Dallas Willard explains this. Next slide. He says, when they mistrusted God and disobeyed him, that cut them off from the realm of the spirit. Thus, they became dead in relation to the realm of the spirit. So when humanity disobeyed, they died to this amazing and beautiful level of living that they had previously enjoyed. And this is what God was primarily referring to when he said that they would die. 
Now, when they die to this level of life, what happens? Right? Well, if you read the account, if you read the story, what you'll notice is Adam and Eve, right? You see that being cut off from this level of life, it crushes them. And they become a shell of the human beings that they used to be, right? Fear enters into their life, right? Relational estrangement, shame, disintegration, disorientation, all that stuff enters into their life when they're cut off from this level of living. So rather than living at the level that they were designed to live at, a life in the fullness in the spirit, they're cut off from it. And for beings that are meant and designed to live at that spiritual level, living merely at the biological level is not truly living. Okay, now this is where today's text comes in. For humanity, right, to live as they ought to, to live as they ought, for humanity to live, to truly thrive and flourish, for them to live as they were designed, their ability to live at the level of the Spirit needs to be restored. That's what needs to happen. Okay? And that's what Jesus is talking about, actually, when he refers to being born again, which in the Greek also means to be born from above. Jesus says you must be born of what? Of water and of Spirit. Okay? Born of water means born biologically, but you have to, you ha you have, to have another birth where you are born spiritually. Okay, from above, that's what Jesus is talking about. So when you come to Jesus in repentance, right, and you accept what he's done on your behalf, by that act of faith, you are actually, you are reborn spiritually. And through this rebirth, you are given new abilities that you simply did not have access to before. Okay, you were dead to them before. Okay, but when you become a Christian, you are born to a new level of life right, to the realm of the Spirit, and you're restored, actually, to that level. And when that happens, you acquire the ability to engage and to live at the level that you were originally designed to live at. It's only at this level, okay, that you're going to experience the fullness of life because this is the level that you were created for. You know, prior to this new birth, people have these, these kind of inklings that they're meant for more than just biological life. You probably felt them before, right? Oh yeah, I, now life has to be more than this, right? But here's the thing, it, when, when you kind of feel it before you're born again, it's all shadows, right? It's all, it's all very vague, it's all kind of dreamlike. It feels more like longings than anything real or concrete, like, like kind of like a distant memory. But once you're born of the Spirit, you discover that those inklings that you had before, they were actually little glimpses of your true destiny and of a reality far more true than you realized. Now, one of the key abilities that you gain through this new birth is the ability to interact with and to hear from God regularly and conversationally. In fact, more than any of the other spiritual gifts that you're given, okay, uh, and that you develop when you're born in the Spirit, you know, things like prophesying and, and speaking in tongues and healing, more than all of those gifts and abilities, by far the most important one is being able to interact with and communicate with God. It's from hearing God's word in your day-to-day -day life that everything else will come into focus. Now, the problem for a lot of people, right, is that uh, when they hear about being reborn, right, when they hear about that, when they hear about, uh, you know, hearing from God, when they hear about living at the spiritual level, it all sounds really vague to them. 
Right? I mean, what does it mean to live at the level of the Spirit, right? That, that kind of crosses your mind. I mean, even Nicodemus in today's story, who's highly educated and probably well-known rabbi at the time, even he doesn't get it. So why is, the spiritual, why is the spiritual level so hard to grasp for a lot of us? Well, part of the reason is because what we're doing is we are using old ways of thinking. We're using our previous experiences in life okay, to try to approximate what spirit-level living is like. And you can't do that, okay, because it's a whole new level of life which we have no previous experience with. Okay, the only way that you will come to understand what it means to live at this new level is if you dive in and experience it firsthand. That's the only way. I mean, you know, we can hear people like the Apostle Paul talk about what it's like to live by the Spirit, right? You read the letters of Paul, and he talks about living by the Spirit, and he says, there is this freedom that you experience when you live by the Spirit. There's this power, and there's this love, and there's this joy that you feel when you live by the Spirit. You can read that, and you can hear people talk about that until they're blue in the face, but you're never going to understand it until you start living it until you dive in. There's no way a cat is going to, well, actually, a cat will never understand poetry, but, you know, let's just imagine if the cat, like, is playing with yarn, right? How is, is he going to explain to other cats what it's like to read poetry? No way, unless it actually gets that new level of consciousness and experiences it. Okay, let me give you a better example. That was terrible. Um, Bromelow's, uh, so when I was younger, um, I discovered this little chocolate shop in my town. I used to ride my bike all over town, and I found this little chocolate shop. It's called Bromelow's Chocolate, and they seasonally, after Mother's Day for a few months, they, they would have all these chocolate-covered fresh fruits, right? Chocolate-covered strawberries, chocolate-covered pineapples. Amazing, right? It's like phenomenal. Like, I've never had anything like that. Anyway, uh, I remember when I was a youth pastor many years ago, uh, I described Bromelow's Chocolate, if you want to go, it's in Woodland Park, excellent place. Uh, I, I was describing the, these chocolates to my youth group students, and I'm like, man, it's amazing. You know, when you take that chocolate-covered pineapple and you put it in your mouth, there's this, like, explosion of flavor, right? I just was just going on and on. You know, I just, I just love food, right? I just kept going on and on about the strawberries and just, just how amazing it was. Now, from my description that I shared with the students, they had a vague sense of what it might be like. Like, okay, it sounds like it might be good. And some of them were excited. Some of them were skeptical, okay? But none of them knew exactly, right, what the experience was like. The only way they would truly know is how, if they try it. And so that's what I did. I said, you look like you don't believe me, okay? So I took them, we went hiking, there's a little mountain next to the shop, and then before we went up the mountain, I, I went to the Bromelow's Chocolate and I bought like a whole bunch of them. Uh, I remember, I gave it to each of them, I said, don't eat it yet, wait. Uh, and then I said, now, put it in your mouth, right? And this girl, I remember, she put the chocolate in her mouth, and when she bit into it, her eyes lit up. And there's a huge smile on her face. And she didn't say anything, but just through her facial expressions, it was like she was saying to me, now I know what you're talking about. In this series, you know, I've been describing to you how to go about hearing God and, and what it's like, right? But you're never going to truly understand what I'm talking about until you actually risk stepping out in faith and you start doing it, right? In the Christian life, Deeper understanding only comes after obedience. If you're going to look for understanding before obedience, I promise you, you will, it will never come. In the Christian life, understanding comes after obedience, only after you step out and obey, not before. 
Only after you bite into the chocolate-covered pineapple will you understand why Pastor Key keeps telling you to eat it. Ah, now I see. Okay, it's the same thing in the Christian life. And let me tell you something. When you start hearing God speaking into your life, what that does to your soul will literally light up your heart because the taste, I promise you, is unforgettable. Unforgettable. I remember, uh, actually, I like how Dallas Willard puts it in his book. He says this. Next slide, please. He says, this is not merely to be born again in the sense of repeating something or to make uh, a new start from the same place. Instead, it is a matter of an additional kind of birth whereby we become aware of and enter into the spiritual kingdom of God. Imagine an otherwise normal kitten that suddenly Oh, this is where I got it from, okay, uh, that suddenly begins to appreciate and, and compose poetry, okay? And that image will give you an impression of the huge transition involved in this additional birth, okay? Experiencing God at this level, you have to experience it in order to understand it because you're not going to understand that leap. So you guys might know um, a woman named Helen Keller, Right, you guys know her, very famous uh, person in history. You know, when she was an infant, she, was, uh, she got very sick. Uh, she was about 19 months years old, and she got very, very sick. And uh, this illness was so serious and so severe that after it, it left her uh, deaf and it left her blind, which is just tragic, right? Just crazy that that happened. In her autobiography, she actually writes that it was like living out at sea in a dense fog. Everything was just kind of all fogged up. Uh, and for the first seven years of her life, she lived like this. In fact, uh, her only means of interacting with the world those seven years uh, was through some signs, some, you know, hand signs that, that she used. But these were very basic signs, okay, and, and, and more about instinct and survival than anything else, okay? It's a very basic level of living. The whole idea of a communication, right, with words and sentences was simply non-existent to her. You know, expressing your thoughts, which we do all the time, we take that for granted, relating to deeply with people, having intimate conversations, that was just not in her experience. It was not something that she, she knew was even possible or even that it existed, completely oblivious to it. Well, fortunately, um, at this point in her life, uh, she meets a woman named Anne Sullivan. Right? Some of you might know the story. Ann Sullivan, who eventually becomes Helen's lifelong teacher and, and friend. Now, when Anne arrived uh, on March 5th, 1887, uh, what she did was she immediately got to work trying to teach Helen to communicate. In fact, when they first met, Anne, what she did was she brought Helen a doll as a gift, right? And after she gave that doll to Helen, uh, Anne started tracing the word doll in uh, Helen's hand, right, D-O-L-L, -L, okay, she traced the word in her hand, uh, and, uh, and Anne kept doing this for Helen with different objects around, you know, her, her backyard and in her house, but for the longest time, Helen just had no understanding uh, of these gestures, uh, of what these gestures were, and it, it actually led to really deep frustration. In fact, one time, uh, as Anne was teaching Helen um, what a mug was, you know, she gave her a mug and tried to spell the word mug in her hand, Helen got so upset that she shattered uh, the mug on, on the counter because she just didn't know what Anne was trying to do. Uh, I mean, she did, and Helen admits, she did learn the gestures, but she said, uh, I was simply making my fingers go in monkey-like imitation. So she was just doing the gestures, but she didn't know what they meant. Then one day, uh, about a month later, after just every day of trying to, you know, learn this, Anne, the teacher, tried something. Okay, what she did 
when she took she took Helen's hands and ran one of Helen's hands that is and ran it uh, ran cool water over that hand and in the other hand she spelled the word water w a t e r okay and when she did this it finally clicked for Helen and Helen had the breakthrough that would change her life it finally dawned on Helen that these gestures pointed to and represented these objects Okay, and this is how Helen describes that breakthrough. Next slide. She says, I stood still, my whole attention fixed upon the motions of her fingers. Suddenly, I felt a misty consciousness as of something forgotten, a thrill of returning thought, and somehow the mystery of language was revealed to me. I knew then that W-A-T-E-R meant the wonderful, cool something that was flowing over my hand. The living word awakened my soul, giving it light, hope, set it free, okay? Uh, and then after this water incident, she just went on a rampage. <laughs> she wanted to know all the words for everything in, around the house and drove uh, Anne crazy, okay? If you read about Helen Keller, what you learn, and this is very interesting, is that she actually refers to the day that she met Anne Sullivan as her soul's birthday. That day she refers to as a birthday of her soul because for her, acquiring the ability to communicate through language was like a new birth. Okay? It was like being born again, but at a higher level of existence. Okay? This is what it's like when you are born of the Spirit and you finally start making breakthroughs at that level. Okay, when you start experiencing the Spirit's movement in your life and you start hearing God speak directly into your heart, it's like you've, you've woken up to a whole new plane of existence that you, just knew never, that you just never knew was even possible. I mean, you know, we hear all the time people about people's experiences with God, about how they felt that God spoke to them and how they, how they, got, they saw God move in their lives. And, and, you know, it's really kind of cool to hear those stories. But for yourself, when you hear those stories, you're like, oh, man, is that even real? Right? You think that to yourself, or, you know, I'm just not sure if I'll experience anything like that. Right? You think that. Brothers and sisters, this stuff is real. Okay? And after you're reborn as a Christian, after you're redeemed as a child of God, when you start experiencing the Spirit's movement in your life, when you start hearing God speaking to you, your face and your light will light up and you'll realize this is what you were meant for. This is what you're, you've always wanted and what you've always needed. Richard Foster says this. He says, those who have once tasted the Shekinah of God, the presence of God, right, and daily experience, can never again live satisfied without the practice of the presence of God. You know, all these sermons that you hear, right, all this uh, stuff that you read in the Bible, all of that is, it's like God is writing letters in your hand, like Anne did for Helen. Okay? If you keep seeking God uh, with a humble and teachable heart and you ask the Spirit to work in your life, you will experience breakthroughs. Okay? God will open your eyes and you will begin to see the world in ways that are only accessible when you're living at the level of the Spirit. Now certainly, right, if you're not reborn from above, you may still actually hear God here and there right? Uh, in the Bible, God does speak to those who do not believe, who are not necessarily born again. But even in those cases, those people do not truly see until they surrender to God. For example, in the book of Acts, right? On the road to Damascus, 
Saul encounters Jesus, and Jesus speaks to him in a very dramatic fashion. But if you read the story, it isn't until Saul repents and surrenders his life to Christ. It's not until he is born again that he finally begins to truly see what Jesus is about and what the world of the Spirit and the kingdom of God is about. So yes, friends, prior to be, being born in the Spirit, you will get glimpses of this world, right? Helen Keller, she had rudimentary signs before truly learning language, but that only got her so far. It wasn't until her eyes were finally opened to understand language that a whole new vista of experience in life was opened up to her. Brothers and sisters, let me ask you, are you satisfied with mere glimpses of this higher level of living, don't you want more? Okay, don't you want to live and experience the fullness of how you were designed to live? You know, when I read, right, and when I see the profound peace, right, and the profound joy and the purpose and the meaning and the intimacy with God that those who walk in the Spirit have, when I see that, I want that. Don't you want that? Aren't you, aren't you sick and tired of flailing around in the dark? Aren't you tired of just these mere glimpses and shadows of this other world? Brothers and sisters, personally, I want to live in the sunshine. Right? I don't want to live in the dark anymore. I want to live in the reality of God, and I want to live at the level that He designed me to live at. C.S. Lewis, I love how he says this. He says this in the next slide. He says, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. It opened his eyes. Being born, reborn in Jesus opened C.S. Lewis's eyes to see reality for what it is and the reality for which he was created to live for. And it changed his life, and it, came, and it can change your life as well. It can. Now, here's the thing. Once you're reborn, right? Once you're born, when you're born as a baby, what has to happen? You have to grow, right? Once you're reborn, you have to grow. It took time for Helen Keller to grow in her understanding and use of language. Okay? It's the same thing when, we learn, uh, when learning how to live at the spirit level of life, when you're reborn in the spirit. Okay? When children are born, right, biologically, they have the capacity for many things. Right? In the same way, when we are reborn in the spirit, we are born with the capacity for other things, spirit things. Okay? But in both cases, right, the baby, the infant, right, and the Christian, we have to learn how to use those things that we're born with, okay? A baby, for example, has to learn how to use its legs to walk and its mouth to speak. The same is true for Christians. You know, we are given profound spiritual capacity when we are reborn in Christ, but there are so many Christians, right, so many Christians who have these new spiritual legs that were given to them, but they haven't tried taking those first steps and so they, they just don't know what God has truly given them. They see these things like, what is this for? Right? Next week in our final sermon, we're going to learn practical ways to help us use those legs so that we can hear God better. Okay? I'm going to give you some ways that you can be like, oh, crap, I can actually use this thing. Okay? I'm going to learn that next week. But today, to hold you over, I want to close by leaving you with one tip, okay? and then we'll finish the rest next week. So when you read the New Testament, uh, one of the things that you learn is that when you are reborn, right, the, this rebirth that I'm talking about, when you're reborn, the old sinful nature 
has not actually been completely shed, right? It doesn't just disappear. I mean, you have lived your entire life in the throes of sin, right? It's going to take time and effort to unlearn those sinful ways of thinking and being, okay? So once you receive the Holy Spirit, right, once you're reborn in the Spirit, He works with you to start that rehabilitation process, right? The moment God saves you and you become His child, He gets to work. Well, this rehabilitation process, as you get further into it, what it does is it helps you to hear God more clearly, okay? See, one of the basic teachings in the Bible is that sin in our hearts and in our minds and in our actions, all of that sin hinders our ability to hear God. You have the capacity, but the sin hinders it. So, sin literally twists our thinking, right, and numbs us to God's voice, okay? And this makes sense. I mean, think about it. If you brainwash a person, right, if you brainwash a person enough, it gets harder and harder for that person to hear the reasoning of other people, right? I've seen brainwashed people. It's very hard for them to hear the reasoning of other people. Well, the fact of the matter is we've all been brainwashed by the world, and by sin for the entirety of our lives. In fact, those forces are always and constantly impinging themselves upon our minds and our hearts after we're saved. And because our, our hearts and our minds are all twisted up in the teaching of sin, it's hard for us to hear or to understand the teaching of God. Our minds have been so patterned after sin that when the ways of God are placed before us, it doesn't make sense to us or it seems absurd to us, right? I mean, how many times have you heard people say that the teaching of the Bible is prudish or that it's antiquated or that it's unrealistic or dull or backwards? Okay, you probably even thought that yourself. See, we are so messed up by sin that we think truths are lies and that lies are truths. In fact, we're so far gone and God's voice is so foreign to us that we don't even recognize him when he does speak to us. You know, James, uh, he writes in his book, next slide, he says this. Uh, this is just an example of the twisted thinking that goes through us. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, right? To look, at orphans and to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Okay? Now, to us modern people, to people who are alive today in our culture, we really jive with the first half of that verse, right? Looking after uh, orphans and widows, that's just, that's James's shorthand for saying, he's saying, take care of the oppressed. He's saying, fight for justice in people's lives. You know what? Modern people, we eat that stuff up. Right? Fighting for justice is hip today. You're like, yeah, that's what it's all about, right? We're all over that stuff. But then when we get to the second part of the verse where he tells us to keep ourselves from being polluted by the world, what do we think when we read that? We think, man, that's so old-fashioned, right? That's what you're thinking. It's so prudish. That's so moralistic. I mean, who cares how we live our private lives? as long as we're doing the first part, this justice part well. But see, what many of us feel, so many of us, what so many of us fail to realize is that in order to do that first part well, in order to do the justice stuff well, we have to address what's inside, our hearts and our thoughts and our morality. I mean, are we really so naive 
as to think that our pursuit of justice in this world won't be affected by what's inside of us. I mean, come on, where do you think injustice comes from in the first place? Because of what's inside of people. Do you really think that you're exempt from that? That you won't ever be the perpetrator of injustice and so you don't need to work on the inside stuff. Keeping, brothers and sisters, keeping yourself from being polluted by the world is essential to the pursuit of justice. But see, given what so many people in our modern world think nowadays, we are that naive. We are that naive to believe that these two things are separate. And this shows just how much our thinking has been twisted by sin and the world. The pollutants of sin will fog up your thinking. It will cloud your judgment, and it will impair your ability to discern God's voice. So what we have to do in order to hear God better is we have to start washing away these pollutants. Okay, that's part of the rehab process in our lives. We need to wash away these pollutants. And one of the most important ways we do that, okay, it tells, they, they tell us it's in the Bible. One of the most important ways we wash away pollutants in our lives is by reading and learning God's Word in the Bible. In Ephesians 5, Paul actually talks about this. He calls it, what he calls it, he, is, he calls it the washing with water through the Word. Okay, you can look it up in Ephesians 5. He says, the washing with water through the Word. Basically, what he's saying is the Word of God, okay, when we start immersing our lives in the Word of God, what it does is it begins to wash away the pollutants of sin in our minds, okay? Our sin pattern thinking starts patterning itself after God's truth instead, right? We are being deprogrammed. This sounds very much like rehab, doesn't it? Uh, and when that happens, when our minds get started watching God's Word and it starts patterning itself after God's truth, you will actually, uh, you will actually um, be able to hear God more clearly in your life. Paul says this in Romans. If we can throw the next slide up there. He says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve, and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. He's saying, as you start renewing your mind with God's word, as you start immersing your mind in God's word and washing your mind in God's word, it transforms your thinking. And what does Paul say after that happens? After it transforms your thinking, he says, then you will be able to discern God's will. Then you will be able to hear him better. Dallas Willard, he says this. The word moves into every part of our personality, just like the water, uh, just like the water and soap move through the shirt's, shirt's fibers. God's word pushes out and replaces all that is false and opposed to God's purposes. Hearing God becomes a reliably clear and practical manner for the mind that is transformed by this washing of the word. Okay, and it makes a whole lot of sense right? If you actually just think about what I just said, that makes a whole lot of sense, okay? Anyway, here are some things that you can do. You're like, well, how do we do that? How do we wash? Like, what does it mean to wash, right? Here are some things that you can do to wash your mind and your heart so that you can hear God better. The first thing is, like I said, almost every sermon I think I gave this year, right? Read the Bible, 
okay, and a little bit at a time. Don't, ta- don't even tackle a chapter at a time. Take like three verses, right? Just read those or just read a small parable or whatever, right? Just start very small, right? Better yet, when you read the Bible, don't, some, because sometimes you read the Bible and you're very confused, like, what in the world is it saying? Right? I, I've even had that experience. What you should do, actually, is ta- get a, you can buy these things called devotional commentaries, right? And what those scholars do is they've taken uh, the teaching of, of that uh, book and they've distilled it down to a level that you can understand kind of the historical background and stuff like that. Read it along with it. That's actually how I do my quiet times. I'll read a chapter and I'll read what a commentator says. I'm like, okay, I totally misunderstood what that said. You know, and, and that, that's actually really helpful. And it really brings a lot. It, 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 it makes the Bible come to life. Another way, actually, that you can uh, really uh, have the Bible come to life to you if you don't really understand the background information thing, or know the background information is this thing called the, thebibleproject.com. Okay, some of you guys might have heard of that. Okay, thebibleproject.com. Or you can listen to their podcast. Just uh, uh, search the Bible Project on the podcast. And what they've done, is they've distilled uh, each of the books down to a few minute long video or audio clip, right? And they they basically unpack what the entire book is about and they help you understand this background information. And after I see these videos and then I read that that, that book, I'm like, holy crap, this is amazing, okay? I just want to show you a quick video, uh, just a a minute or so of this video. This is from thebibleproject.com. This is kind of uh, what the stuff that you'll find there. Show you the, the whole thing, um, but you guys, that's pretty good, right? I don't know. I, when I watch this stuff, I'm like, oh my God, the Bible came to life. Okay, so that's something to consider. Also, uh, another way to get God's word kind of washing into your heart and your mind is uh, listen to sermons. There's podcast after podcast of sermons. If you don't like our sermons, I just go somewhere else, and you know, you can find other podcasts. Soak them in. You know, don't just come on Sunday out of duty and be like, okay, you know, I've suffered through another worship, I've done my duty. Don't do that, right? Come to church with a humble attitude and submit yourself, and what you find is that the Word will start washing you. I remember this one time when I was, uh, I think I was in college, I was listening to this one pastor speak, and I was like, man, this guy sucks. This is so terrible. I hate my life right now sitting in this chair, right? And I, I was just, I had this horrible attitude, but then I felt the Spirit say, what, what are you doing? You know, that's not supposed to be your attitude, right? You should be, this, this man is still preaching the word of God, right? And so I repented. I said, God, I'm sorry. Don't strike me down, right? Uh, I said, God, you know, this is your word that's being preached. Help me to submit under it. And then once I did that, once I repented, all of a sudden, this guy became like the best speaker I've ever seen, right? And the word of God just started impinging itself into my heart and in my mind. If you come with a humble attitude, the Bible talks about that. In humility, God will move in your life. Okay, so come like that, and you'll see the uh, sermons washing over, over your life. Um, also, you can read some helpful Christian books by people like C.S. Lewis, David Benner, Philip Yancey, Richard Foster, Dallas Willard. I have a whole list. Okay, if you email me, I can send you that list, right? They're light reading, and some of them are heavy reading. The reason why it's helpful to read these people is they, they, what these books is they reason with you, and they help you to start thinking biblically. They take the word and they apply it to real life, and you realize, oh my goodness, this is how it's supposed to be lived, and it, this is how you wash your heart and your mind with God's word. Also, you can get devotional books by Tim Keller and Oswald Chambers and things like that. Another way is to memorize scripture, and just, you know, I've done this in my life fairly recently, and when you memorize scripture, every once in a while, it'll come up into your heart while you're going through something, and you'll see that it, it does, in fact, have a washing effect. Okay? So get a steady diet of this, brothers and sisters. It doesn't have to be long. Every time I talk about Bible reading, you guys are thinking, oh my God, this is going to take a freaking hour, right? That's what you're thinking. No. Five minutes. On your commute, pull up the Bible app, 
maybe you don't even you don't even need to take a few minutes. Just take the verse of the day and be like, yeah, that's it for today, right? That's fine. Start there, okay? And then when you start seeing that, oh my God, this really, I can start hearing God a little bit more. I see my mind being washed in it. I'm telling you, it will make a difference, okay? As you start obeying what you read, uh, you will be able to discern God's voice in your life. Okay, let's pray. We can have the praise team come up. Um, you know, we are learning that this, we can't actually hear God with our own effort. Okay, we need this new capacity that He gives us through the Spirit. Some of you, uh, I'm not sure if you, you're, you, you've actually become a Christian, right? Uh, if, if that's you, you can take some time today and be like, God, you know, I have never asked you to be my Lord and Savior. Just take a moment today to say that to Him. Uh, and then accept him, and then you, at that moment, will actually have been reborn, and then you can start on your journey toward hearing him and experiencing him in your life. Those of you who are Christians, uh, the reason why you're probably hearing him not as frequently is because there is sin in your life, because your mind has not been washed by these things, because of certain behaviors and things like that. Maybe what you can ask God is to help you to kind of uh, start washing your heart and your mind in these things. Start seeking him with humility. Uh, start uh, just really asking asking the Spirit to move in your life. All, that's all it takes to start. Just, God, please move in my life. I want, I want you to do this for me, okay? And if, if that's you, just, just speak those, uh, say those prayers to God, and then watch Him uh, start to move in your life, okay? So let's take a couple minutes, uh, and let's uh, start praying to the Lord.